Moncrief on News Talk. Very confrontational. <laughs> Very confrontational from the start. It's like a weird, surreal dream that I can barely remember. A part of you just has to zone out and go to a really dark place just to survive it. The sound I... All the lyrics are gone. <laughs> it did kind of give off kind of hastily written email kind of vibes. What are you going to do? I'll sing Mary Black, whatever. I'm going to fly to LA. <laughs> That's LOL, or Last One Laughing Ireland. All episodes now streaming on Amazon Prime Video. James Dempsey is with us once again. Afternoon, James. Afternoon. Uh, last Friday, there was, or Friday of last week, there was a review in the Irish Times saying it was the worst thing that's ever happened to Irish comedy. Were they overstating that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, right? Like, I, uh, yeah, I have to admit. I was... <laughs> <laughs> you don't sound convinced. <laughs> like, okay, so I think the reviews are... Uh, unkind. Okay. Right? Like, is this uh, absolutely hilarious show? No, right? No, it isn't. Is it the worst thing to happen to Irish comedy? No, I don't think so either, right? To me, it was just kind of like a very odd format. My issue entirely is with the format because there are times throughout the episodes which are mercifully short <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that I did, you know, <laughs> smile and have a little chuckle to myself. So the format is created by this Japanese comedian named Hitoshi Matsumoto. And he um, basically had a meeting one day with a man named James Farrell, who at the time was Amazon's head of content in Japan. And he pitched this idea to him of a comedy show where stand-up comedians would be locked in a room trying to make each other laugh and, of course, trying also not to laugh. Mm. And the premise is the last one laughing wins as in the last man standing, last yeah. median standing, uh, wins the prize and 50 grand for their chosen charity. And the Amazon guy thought, you know what? That side's really cheap to make. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so let's do it, right? And it has become an absolutely massive hit in Japan. And from there, it has spun out to now many territories and it is Amazon's first Irish production. And um, if it gets a season two, I'll be a little surprised. Mm. But... but the kind of way I would describe it is it's too small to fail, right? It is basically all shot in a day and a half. It's six hours. Okay, so the- it's split up into, ah, right. So they've just been there for the day yeah. and, and then they just put that out as episodes. Yeah, so yeah, they basically right. okay. gather all of these comedians in the room. The comedians include, I mean, like I would say, what I liked about this was it was a cast of people who's maybe I didn't know every one of their names, but I mm. certainly recognized all of their faces. And so, most of them you would know. Them and most of the majority I would know their yeah. names. So like Ashing B, Paul Tyler, Catherine Bohart, uh, Bo- I think uh, Tony Cantwell, Martin Angolo, Deirdre O'Kane, David McSavage, Jason Byrne, Emma Dorn, and Amy Huberman. Now, right. right. So Amy Huberman. <laughs> um, I think is a little hard done by in this because look, she's not a stand-up comedian. Yeah, she is an actress. She is the has she has been the you know 
she's like a the nation's sweetheart with a, the longest best before by date I've ever seen, right? Like she's been the nation's sweetheart for about 15 years, yeah. right? And uh, she like she has made a number of comedies, none of which I've liked. <laughs> so going into this, I kind of was like, oh, what are you going to do here, Amy? And you know what she is? She's the nation's sweetheart and I'll leave it at that. Okay. Right? And basically, um, in it, you get them for six hours locked in a room and they do a number, they do everything. And that's the problem, right? They're drew, they're doing everything. By that I mean slapstick, scatological, uh, role-playing humour, uh, improv. They have these pre-prepared sketches that they sort of come out and do and they're throwing every bit of mud at the wall and yet somehow none of it is kind of sticking, right? Mm. And that in is also part for me of the kind of curiosity of the format because as the audience, you're watching all of these comedians like you know, bombing, yeah. right? Because like, they are all not laughing. And yes. They're not even allowed to smile. If you smile, you get a yellow card. If you get a second yellow card issued by Graham Norton, who, I mean, obviously got paid very handsomely for this, right? And, and good Norton. for him, yeah. right? Um, so he sort of sits in a, like a viewing room watching everything and then the producers go, someone smiled and he goes in and gives them a yellow card. But sorry, they go in and they're doing all of these various madcap stuff to make each other laugh but none of them is laughing. Mm. And it's this sort of like cognitive dissonance as the audience because, you know, when it, I, look, obviously humour is subjective, but like part of TV production is, I mean, there's a reason why they add laugh tracks to jokes. Yeah. Right? Because it makes them funnier and it kind of invites you into the process. So you're, as a viewer, watching them bomb, but they're not really bombing, but kind of the sour note is hit. And then it goes to Talking Heads where like Amy Huberman is going, that was so funny. Right? And I'm going, was it? Like, uh, was it funny? I'm not actually sure it was. Right? Mm. And this goes on for six episodes. So that is sort of... <laughs> Mother of God. Right? And like, but, no, spoil But like, did, yeah. like within uh, along the six episodes, are people kicked out of the room who, you know, break up into paroxysms of laughter? So as they go through it, like, I have to admit... Um, uh, you know, I, I was laughing to myself that one of the first moments where someone is, is issued a yellow card uh, for like breaking, you know, for breaking, for laughing, is they laugh at their own reflection. <laughs> right? And I was like, oh God. Right? Like as in they had hyped up this, you know, we're going to break you, we're going to make you laugh. And then he just sort of smirks to himself in a mirror. Yeah. Right? So um, if you get, if you are in receipt of two red cards, or rather two yellow cards and therefore red, you uh, then are ejected from the uh, comedy room and you are pushed into, well, no, you are led, uh, I guess, by a production team to sit beside Graham Norton for the rest of the five hours, four hours, three hours and watch proceedings. Mm. And then throughout the show, they will like bring in, you know, uh, a cast of Irish uh, well-known faces and figures, including uh, Ray Darcy and uh, Zig and Zag and Dustin of the Den. You have uh, Jedward appearing. You have Anne Doyle reading uh, the lyrics to a well-known um, and comedic Irish song. And this is all supposed to be really, really funny. And it didn't work for me. Okay. But what is kind of interesting... And are, they, are those guests who are brought in, are they trying to make people laugh as well? I think they are just extra fodder for humour. Yeah, right? okay. Like yeah. as in they are, yes, they are essentially trying to make the comedians laugh. Mm. And I guess there's something for the comedians to bounce off again. Now the whole thing, as I said, is so successful in internationally with a kind of inverted commas around that, right? By that I mean they have th they have produced this in a no like in in many many places around the world: Australia, it Italy, Germany, 
Canada in French and English, uh, Spain, etc. In mm. Germany, it has turned into this like actual huge hit, hmm. but only in Germany. As yeah. in, I'm not tuning in to my Amazon Prime looking, for, and I'm a German teacher, right? So yeah. like, right? So like, in theory, I actually could watch it. And, you uh, should. Yeah, I should. Yeah. You know, I find it really right? funny. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, it's only, but it's a huge hit in Germany, if mm. you get me, right? This, I guess, has the advantage of uh, being English-speaking. Right? Yes. In a yeah. way that it could appeal to potentially other English-speaking markets. Mm. And there was a write-up about it, about sort of the franchise in general in the New York Times on Friday that was actually very interesting to read where I got all my little tidbits. But um, but I don't think this is going to go gangbusters, to be honest with you, because it just, like for me, as I said, it's actually not the problem of the comedians, each individual, or Amy Huberman even, each individually brings their own little shtick to it. It's just that it's such a melting pot of comedic styles with like a bum note at the end of every one of them because nobody's laughing. That's, but that's, yeah, I think that's the, the, the problem. It's not the problem of any of the comedians. Obviously, they're all, you know, very well established. Yeah. But if you're presenting comedy and nobody's laughing, that it kills at least 50% of the comedy. I think so it. too. That's, it's, yeah. it's so weird and kind yes. of awkward. Yes, um, exactly. Uh, uh, to watch <laughs> that. I wonder really, was it kind of, let's produce an Irish version and then, you know, we can kind of maybe, you know, pilot that. It's like a pilot to maybe see would yeah. that fly as a British version, which would obviously be... Here's here's what we do know, right? Uh, there's a British version potentially in the pipeline. Nobody's emerged yet as a, as a star. There's no American version. There's a Canadian version. There's an Australian version. The Can- the Australian one went for one season. The like, as in, this isn't always a hit everywhere they bring yeah, it out. Yeah. In some places, it kind of manages to break through. In Japan, like it is literally practically the biggest show on TV. But here, I don't know if this is going to be like. I don't know if people are going to go. Oh, I finished Reacher. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, you know. Well, I wonder, is it like, you know, the way in Japan, like they're big on, this is a terrible uh, generalization, but you know, all those game shows where yeah. people are torturing each other, mm. that this kind of works better there culturally because it's kind of awkward. Yeah. And, and like in the Japanese one, my understanding uh, uh, is that like at times people have just completely stripped off naked and walked around the room as a way of, you know, sexually abusing their, their colleagues. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. You know? Like, yeah. But yeah, I guess it's a completely different style of humor. Yeah, indeed. Okay, we'll move on to something completely different. True Detective Night Country. New episodes every Monday on Sky Atlantic and Now TV. Here's a clip. The only one in the room of his own. Which one is him? <sighs> Ram Clark. I've never seen this guy before. It's not in any of our photos. Nowhere. How about Annie's brother? The minor guy. Ryan. Yeah, I'll show him a photo. That's it. It's not here. No pork. Maybe he had it on when they... Anyway, poof. You don't really think they're going to find them, do you? I hear they want to believe some miracles. Picking up any spirit vibes? No. Nope. All I'm picking up is your. So how long has it been since the previous 
So the first one, it's a decade since the first one, which mm. was like this kind of real water cooler moment of TV. It helped absolutely uh, redefine Matthew McConaughey as an actor. I, I believe it came before his Oscar and sort of helped mm. re-establish him as like what was once a rom-com staple to now this dramatic actor, although he's kind of disappeared in the last five years. Um, and then it came back for a second season, much, much, much maligned uh, a year later, I think, with, with Colin Farrell that really kind of did nothing. And then I think a year after that, the third one came out with Mahershala Ali and Stephen Dorff and then it's been all quiet until this was announced uh, but in 2022. Now, what's interesting about this one is that the creator of True Detective, uh, his name is Nick Pizzolatto. Uh, he is actually not really involved in this one at all. This one is completely and utterly uh, taken over by an, a, a Mexican director named Isa Lopez, who is not a name I was familiar with. And she had one, this, she, she's kind of a, I wasn't familiar with her, but I feel like now I should, because, or should get familiar with her because her she's like just a very intriguing character she was a novelist and a screenwriter she's won like the best novel you know the kind of the Booker Prize of Mexico at one mm. point and now has just decided to turn her hand towards filmmaking and made this horror movie called Tigers Are Not Afraid a couple of years ago that played a number of festivals uh, maybe didn't re reach a wide release but certainly found the right critics for its genre and was very very much um, lauded and through that she has sort of ventured to the US and now is developing different projects with other people one of them is this and it I found the first two episodes to be very effective and very very like Moorish <laughs> as, okay. as right. kind of as sort of creepy weirdo police crime mm. go right so it all takes place in Ennis uh, in Alaska rather than Claire <laughs> in Claire <yes. laughs> that, that would be a, I'd pay cash money to see that <laughs> although given the weather we had last week yeah, it's yeah. sort of appropriate right so it's this Alaskan town way up north in the I guess the Arctic Circle and uh, it has just you know as we are watching it it is just entering its point of December where they enter you know a month of darkness ah, right. right so the sun will no longer uh, rise for 30 days and uh, into that, we find a number of men in this kind of, in like a research facility, like the research facility in The Thing, the you know, the John okay. Carpenter movie. Yeah. And uh, one of them, played by Irish actor Owen McDonnell, who is like a real character actor who just kind of crops up anywhere. He plays uh, Raymond Clark, who is one of them who gets a name mentioned quite frequently. So it's probably the plum role of them. Mm. And... Uh, suddenly something goes really weird and wrong and but we don't quite know. All we hear is she's awake. And then we follow on and suddenly we're with Jodie Foster who is actually having a great year. Very likely to be Oscar nominated maybe uh, for Supporting Actress this year. Um, she plays Chief Liz, Danzer, Liv, Liz, uh, Liz Danvers who is the uh, chief of the local police in Ennis who is now investigating where all of these eight men have disappeared. Because in, in the okay. facility there is no sign of them there's just a severed tongue lying on the ground and it is like the Marie Celeste the sandwiches are left the washing is in the you know tumble dryer mm. the the movie you know, Ferris Bueller is playing on repeat on the TV and it's very effectively creepy now she is joined by Callie I'm going to say Reese. Uh, she's trooper Evangeline Navarro she's also a very interesting actress because she was a she was a professional boxer and like a champion hmm. boxer and then sort of kind of gave acting a go a couple of years ago and was nominated for an independent spirit award which are the awards that happen like two nights before the Oscars and they're kind of like for for uh, the kind of indie darling of the Oscars and like other movies yeah. you've never heard of right yeah. but she um 
she plays a, a state trooper and there's sort of bad blood between her and Jodie Foster and they re-team up to sort of solve this case. And it's all creepy and weird and like there's illusions of ghosts and all kind of madness going on, including uh, Fiona Shaw. Uh, you know, it's a nice little mm. uh, Irish adventure here in Ennis um, where, you know, she plays a woman out on the fringes of society who were who introduced to skinning a wolf and it's all full of, you know, portent and symbolism and uh, weird. Okay, so that's different to the previous True Detectives and this seems to, well, it's implying supernatural activity. Yes. Yeah, rather than yes. them necessarily. Now, what is. I think it's really implying is how like how uncomfortable it is to live in perma-darkness right? yeah. as in what yeah. must it be to your psyche if you are living in this plus there's this kind of underlying message of the melting pot of Alaska where uh, you know indigenous Inuit people First Nations people have mm. you know had their societies decimated by drilling and whatever right I don't mean to be facetious and yeah. say that I mean I mean yeah, Re- horrifically damaged, yeah, right? Yes, yeah. So, so all in, it's um, yeah. I just thought the first few episodes were really good, really just. Uh, what I liked about it most, and my mother said it to me on the phone as well. She was like, "What she liked was they moved the plot along." You know, yes, like it wasn't absolutely. just lingering, lingering, yeah. lingering. It was zipping along and I liked that too. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I've no, that's storytelling. That's what it's supposed to do. Right, our third show, again, couldn't be more different. Gladiators is on Saturdays at 5.50 on BBC One. Here's a clip. There's six foot five and 20 stone of big eating giant. Not sure I'd like to be on the receiving end of that. Miles may be smaller, but his training in Thai boxing should help him with stability. James, is this kind of unreviewable in a sense in that it's, you know, people hitting each other with huge Q-tips and and that's it. You like that kind of thing, you don't. Yeah, I get, well, I suppose, uh, yeah. I mean, I remember watching it on UTV as was back in uh, the 90s. It ran, I think, from 96 maybe or 94 to the year 2000 on on ITV and UTV when we had it on a Saturday evening, like it was a great back-to-back with Blind Date. Yeah. Now, the difference was I was a child and like it was like looking at, (laughs) looking at people, you know, playing with big toys essentially. Mm. Uh, while my mother was serving us my, like uh, you know tea right yeah. so it was great and this time I sat down to watch it obviously with 20 years of life experience on top of that and I found it such a oddly straight lay show for what is absolutely the campus most silly thing going right like I was watching all of these gladiators and they're coming out in like, they look like extras from the Hunger Games or like they are flying back from Turkey post uh, <laughs> post veneer implant, implants, and like they are, uh, you know, they're they're cocking their eye at the camera, and then they interview them, and they give the most banal, boring like commentary, yeah. right? So look, it is an hour of kind of sports, quote unquote, yeah. in which uh, they take part in various activities. But what drove me mad about it was how um, everything just goes so quick. Like in the in the uh, clip we played there, like the, you know, the whatever, the Q-tip one, Jewel, whatever, I can't remember off the top of my head what it's called. It's over in three seconds. Oh, you know, God. we have all this yeah. build up and then it's 
oh, he won. Yeah. Right? Gravity, actually, <laughs> Gravity won. And and then um, what I found really odd about the BBC's choice here was it's presented by Bradley Walsh and uh, his son, mm. Barney, who's obviously, his gladiator name is Nepo Baby. And like he is... <laughs> A, a, a less dynamic, <laughs> a less dynamic combo. I could not think. Like Bradley Walsh is like a seasoned. Like I mean, he look. He like he owns kind of the ITV quiz show format, right? Yeah. And he knows how to play up to the audience, work well with the guests. He can do this absolutely in his sleep. His son, <laughs> like why they paired him up with his son, who kind of is just like charismaless is how I would describe him, right? Like, who offers, like, literally nothing. Anyway, so all in, it's an hour long on yeah. Saturday evening. <clears throat> I guess there's no commercial breaks, which means your opportunity to create create your tea at the side is, is more limited. I think if you like, you know, Ireland's fittest family, if you really like, if, if you Isn't have... Isn't this more like WWE, essentially? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, like, obviously, the contestants are these, uh, you know, normal, normal, quote unquote, obviously very fit and active mm. people who like sport yeah. and want to be involved in this. But like the gladiators themselves are, you know, Instagram models, uh, powerlifters, retired F- and like retired rugby players or sprinters, etc. And yeah, it is all just this kind of WWE meets the community games yeah. <laughs> <laughs> James you're on fire today uh, those three shows are LOL last one laughing Ireland all episodes now streaming on Amazon Prime Video True Detective Night Country new episodes every Monday on Sky Atlantic and Now TV and Gladiators that's every Saturday 5.50pm on BBC One James Dempsey thanks a million thank you Moncrief weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.